Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined by my two fine co-hostesses, uh, Champion of Justice, Kim. Hello. And Champion of Freedom, Ari. Oh boy. <laughs> the episode that we are reviewing today is Season 2, Episode 23, Omega Glory, or as I like to call it, somehow this is Nicolas Cage's fault. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, Nicholas Cage. I was like, what does Nicholas Sparks have to do with this? <laughs> Nicholas Sparks has very little to do with this episode, but I feel like somehow the actions of National Treasure and National Treasure somehow 2... retroactively. Yes. Somehow lead to this. Or somebody watched this episode and then was inspired. They were a time traveler from the future. Come back to spread that for us. All my other alternate title for it was Glory Hole. Um, (laughs) Because it is a giant, crackling, vile, spewing orifice of television. It was certainly a thing that happened. (laughs) So I want to just put this out to you guys right now. This was one of three... Of the draft stories that Roddenberry submitted to be the new pilot of Star Trek. Wow. Why? (laughs) (laughs) So, his first pilot has failed. They're like, Spock is too devilish, the women is too... In charge. Womanly. Human. We can't get our actor back. We need a brand new story to really launch my vision of what space is all about. The ones I'm going to submit are... Where No Man Has Gone Before, so the original pilot that they ended up with, which I think we all agreed was a really good pilot. Mm -hmm. The second one that he submitted was Mud's Women. (laughs) No. Because, of course, he did. And then the third one that he submitted was this. I'm beginning to think that Gene Roddenberry has been vastly overrated. (laughs) Or he was having some kind of, like, periodic mental breakdown. No, I think this was just him, because I'm going to keep going. So... NBC got these three scripts and was like, okay, yeah, fine, we're no man, yeah, Mud's Women, oh, funny, funny. How about you just shelf this one? Like, just put it on a shelf? At the back of a shelf? Like, the back of a shelf? And then put a box in front of it so that you won't be able to find it when you look for it and you're like, I know I put it somewhere really important. And then I put a shelf in front of that shelf so Mm -hmm. I don't have access to that shelf anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm finally moving out of this house five years later, or my descendants are cleaning it up after my untimely death, like, oh, what's the back of the shelf? But mice have gotten to the box, so it's unreadable. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So yes, NBC's direction was... Put it in a box. (laughs) NBC was right. Yep. NBC definitely had a point, but Roddenberry got his revenge. It keeps going, guys. Um, So it finally got made, season two, end of episode. Roddenberry personally submitted this episode for Emmy consideration. What? I'm guessing that it didn't win. (laughs) I don't even think it got nominated. Thank God for that. Yes. I'm trying to say what, like you say, what on the internet with no punctuation or with a period. Mm. I'm not sure Mm. it's getting through, but just Mm. in case it is, what? (laughs) I I really want to be in the room, like in 1969, when the Emmys are being talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. the table Mm -hmm. of certainly old white Gentile guys looking at each other going, you know what? I think this is too crazy. 
Can we all agree that this episode is crazy? It's very crazy. The weird thing yes. about this episode is that for the first two-thirds of it, it almost seems like semi-sane, or at least like normal Star Trek level sane, and then something happens. And it just sort of... Your your, your whole metaphor is actually really accurate if it's a Thank black you. hole, and you're slowly circling towards the event horizon, <laughs> and that thing, what's it called? Spaghettification. <laughs> Where you're in one piece until you start being stretched out and everything loses all meaning and time and space are nothing. And It's also in the way that by the time you realize that you're in a black hole, it's already too late to yeah. get out. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's a certain point where Kirk starts putting it all together where I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no! Are they really going there? And there's 20 minutes left in the episode. Yeah, for me, the episode was sort of like okay and it was just like a oh, whatever yeah. standard star trek episode we're gonna see who's really the bad guy in a few minutes yeah and then the guy walks in with the american flag and i literally just sort of stopped for a minute and i went what is happening okay. that is probably what everybody thought i would like to state for the record <laughs> the guy carrying the flag is fit I was paying more attention to the flag. Well, that was your casting for a very specific sort of body type, muscular Americanism, Mm -hmm. and they nailed it. (laughs) He looks great. He's like broad-shouldered, big chin, sparkling eyes, abs for miles and miles. Come back, Kareem. Come on, come back. It was good. It kind of made you want to like. I don't know, what does one do in America? Farm apples? Have pioneer <laughs> babies? I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I had to grasp onto something because as soon as I realized, as soon as that flag came out, I was like, oh no. Oh, I sort of... I, I when he it. said like, the Yangs, the Yang, the Yankees. Sorry, what? Yeah. yeah. That is a stretch. I just want to take a moment here and express yes. how much I hate these Parallel America episodes. I hate them so much. It's not even a Parallel America. It's a Parallel Earth. Yeah. Like, well, no, Earth, fine. In general, Earth, you might have cultures that are sort of similar to Earth cultures, maybe vaguely, like some qualities, some fundamental things, because some things, if you have identically shaped beings, are going to be universal. But America is too specific. No, it is a parallel Earth, it's, down to every detail. It's like somebody went and plucked two groups of people off of Earth in yeah. a very specific time period, stuck them over here them. on a planet, yeah, and was like, it. let's see what happens. It makes me so angry. It's so and lazy. I mean, there, yeah, It's lazy. There is like an explanation built into Trek canon for yeah, this. Which but is, not this. Which is the preservers, but... In that case, this wouldn't happen no. because the whole point of the preservers is to preserve the culture as it is at that moment yeah. in time. But like, it's it's just it sucks. It's, it it sucks. sucks. It sucks. Like, I I will admit I do like a good parallel universe story sure, sure. because but that's, that's actually different. weirdly within the realm of possibility. And I will say that I. I'm on board for the point that the episode was getting at, and then that it's that the, the words mean nothing if you don't fo- like believe in yeah. them and follow them and understand what you're talking Ironically, about. Ironically, at it this time, work could definitely with... have gotten them all accused of communist leanings. But it doesn't work within no. the confines no. of the episode because that's not the no. theme of the episode no. at all. At least it isn't for the first, you know, forty-five minutes. minutes? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm completely yeah. Yeah, yeah, too agree, many but things like, happening in this episode. If that is okay, it is like three separate yeah. episodes thrown into the spinny cups at Disneyland 
12 for 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. But I absolutely agree with you, Kim, that fine. If we're going to do America, the great, the bold, we the people, Whatever. like yeah. Hamilton it up, I'm okay with that. But you have to see those themes running through the entire yeah. episode. And you have to have a fucking explanation. Yeah. E.g. the preservers. They had the Declaration of Independence. Okay, where the fuck did they get a copy of the Declaration? Or is that oh, the oh, actual they Declaration? They independently came up with it on their own camp. They no. spontaneously developed America. Guys! Nicholas Cage stole it. <laughs> and then traveled back in time yeah. and all through, also but, through like, space to make it It just doesn't make any sense. National Treasure 3! <laughs> Glory hole! <laughs> Just, it, it, they don't, there's no explanation for how they have a copy of the Declaration of Independence, how they have an American well, flag, how they have the fucking Holy Bible. The, the implication is, as we've had like a half a dozen previous times, that some other alien planet, thousands of light years from Earth, just spontaneously developed an identical culture to the United States of America. Okay. Which makes me so Except angry. that... It is very sad. Except that, no, we haven't actually seen that because there was an explanation for the gangster line and there was an explanation for the Nazis. Uh, Miri, Miri is, the one is a parallel of. Earth. Yeah. Okay, Mir. Yeah, okay, fine. It's but- exactly the same. They even comment on how it's exactly the same. Yeah, that's true. And I'm like, yeah. Mary, didn't, Mary didn't piss me off, though. Mary still pisses me off. This pisses me off more. This this makes me much, much, Being an much, American much is angry. so universal and so to be aspired to that alien cultures who have never heard of Earth spontaneously develop it independently. It's not that they spontaneously developed America. It's they spontaneously developed the entire course of Earth history up leading, to that point. Leading up to the Cold War. Leading up to 1969 yeah. when this episode was broadcast. Like, yeah. that's it in a nutshell. It's yeah. not just America that was spontaneously generated. It's the entire world. Yeah. And so, like, I can get, like like you said, it can get behind, like, stuff in this episode. I can even get behind alternative world history as, like, a genre. Fine. You, which, fine. But not in Star Trek. No. Well, no, not, not have... in not in our universe on a different planet that's just no. Parallel. It needs to be parallel universe. Yeah, that yeah. I'm willing to buy, or to have all powerful aliens, like the like the mirrorverse. Yes, sure, sure. And again, like to go back to your theme, the theme of America is that all people are equal, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. regardless of who you are. America, the mythos world. America, the mythos <laughs> world. <laughs> um, but. That at no point comes into the culture of the Yangs, who as far as we see are pretty actually egalitarian. Except for the fact that the ladies don't get to wear clothes. Well, there's only so much animal skins to go around. And there's only like two ladies, so you don't need to dress them in that much. No, 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 no. I want you to talk about their costumes when you get to it because they make no sense. It's just fur. (laughs) Nah. Fur on fur. (laughs) Um, But the Yangs seem, as a culture, fine. They're not trying to really oppress the comms i well, guess at the very near the very end of the episode we find that this is the last calm settlement that hasn't been taken down by the yanks and they kill everyone yeah and they kill everyone so they have been actually slowly like conquering back the land that was taken from them so it's them. actually it's supposed to be america right yeah like this is the part of the planet yeah. that's america it's, i'm America. I don't know. That part was not super clear to me. How this is set up? Are they the only two groups of people on this planet? Are there other cultures or different like world groups, etc., etc., everywhere? Or is it just these the one the group of comms, the group of Yangs, and they're just in an internal battle? Only like America and China survived. God, it's like Joss Whedon wrote it. Yeah, and it's just like it's although there are more Asian characters <laughs> and Asian actors. Yeah, I mean, this is like the weird 
Um, what's the gross white thing that goes on a trifle? Whipped cream? Yeah. You don't whipped want whipped cream? cream? No, I find it vile. Um, <laughs> this is like the grossed whipped cream layer on a trifle of episode because the layer underneath it... I disagree with your analogy. <laughs> trifle is amazing. Trifle is disgusting. <laughs> if I wanted to dump the contents of my dessert fridge into a bowl, I would do so. Oh. Uh, so the next white cake layer of it... <laughs> is <laughs> no you have to pick something else Ari and I are too English for this to go on my white cake layer is like a that buffet, maybe. is the weird discussion about how should you violate the prime directive in order to survive does survival trump interference with other culture the gross gelatin strawberry layer is the tragic death of 400 people on a ship due to some mystery disease and then like the weird booze and goo that's pooled at the bottom of the bowl is custard delicious delicious is the fountain of youth the thing is that up to that the point where the weird like oh god this is an exact fucking parallel and we're terrible writers part is that it's fine. It's not an amazing episode, but it's Strong like fine. Disagree. I get where you're going with this. The whole stupid fountain of youth thing and the fact that it turned out to be completely pointless. The survival versus. It almost all fits together. It almost balances. Except for. Except for. The whipped cream layer. The American flag comes out. Yeah. Like if they hadn't gotten that specific, if they hadn't started fucking quoting the Declaration of Independence, I would have been fine. Not ecstatic, but fine. <laughs> fine. Okay, it would have been mildly okay. It's, it's clumsy, but fine. Yeah. But No. No, no. When the flag came out with carried by that beefcake, you're like, no. No. To that quote, was your line. I'm gonna, to quote you, Kareen. What? <laughs> I was like, mentally, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I wasn't, because we had to finish watching it. I, like, but... mm-hmm. I remember there was an episode that was about the American Constitution. I just stupidly assumed it was the same episode with Space Lincoln. <laughs> And there was your first mistake. Yeah, it was funny because I didn't remember anything about this. I remembered uh, Ron Tracy's sweaty, pox-faced I, I visage. I remembered the Fountain of Youth part, and I remembered the Salt Crystals part, but I blocked completely America. blocked out the... We built a wall around America. I was America. so angry, even as a child, that I completely blocked it out. Yeah, I remember Ron Tracy's face. And I think, actually, he does a fairly... And apparently, this is my other bit of trivia for you... Depending on whether you watch the syndicated or unsyndicated version of it, you get a completely different Ron Tracy. Really? So there's parts of it that they cut out, making Ron Tracy more sympathetic. Oh. So the part where he says to Kirk, you know, come with me or I'm going to, like, light your friends on fire, that's cut from that. Mm-hmm. And what the story is instead of the part where he just straight up murks that guy? Not in the okay. I don't know the exact specifics, but that story that gets told for him is that essentially he's stranded and he wants their help and is terrified of being killed by the Yangs or Yanks or whatever well, they were. And that all sounds fine, and that probably syndication version probably made more sense because as this character exists, Ron Tracy doesn't make any goddamn sense. He's been on this planet for like maybe six months and he's turned it been into... that long no i don't think it's even been that i don't, long. I don't think no it's even been, like, math at, it out i think you're right Kim. at max it's been six months because okay. like yeah. kirk says at some point like the yeah. exeter that's the last was, one you heard from them. yeah well they were supposed to be here doing this whatever six months ago in six months he has gone from probably a decent starship captain member a functioning member of starfleet to like i'm taking over this town and killing everybody so that i can live forever 
Well, he's not killing everyone. No. He, again, his story is the story of survival at what cost. So this is actually a really good place to actually get into the episode. Is it? It is, because they're at Planet Omega 4. That's the last time you're going to hear the word Omega. And the episode title, I think, is flimsy at best in terms of relation to the plot. Because Glory Hole would have been a much, much better time. Uh, and they see... I, okay, I want to just interject one more okay, time, okay. because it starts with a, a view of, of Sulu's comms. Those buttons are so juicy. <laughs> you just want to push them, don't you? I feel like they would be, like, soft and pliant. Probably not. They're and probably they're made like of plastic gushers. and rather firm. They do um, kind of look like gushers from a distance. So, so So hungry. they come upon Planet Omega-4 and the USS Exeter is orbiting and they haven't no one's heard from the USS Exeter but they the Exeter but they were patrolling in this area about six months ago so that's the timing I feel like Starfleet should definitely keep better tabs on their ship considering the kind the of, sh- of considering the amount of shenanigans they get into well, and the, the number of ships yeah, where like excuse, entire people have been wiped out the excuse we get a lot is that they're just too far away to get reports frequently yeah bullshit set up like they uh, have some space radio stations. like relays or yeah, space stations space. Like, people should call at least well, like once a week you have to call your mom yeah I would say once a day frankly because <laughs> it took them what 24 hours for everyone to get turned into salt roughly yeah. yes so yeah so and we're back again because we've we've been getting better about this but we're back to completely ignoring biohazard protocols <laughs> because they see this ship drifting no response on comms so the first thing they do is send how did i put this hmm. an inexplicably high concentration of the senior staff <laughs> Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Plus one red shirt. Plus one red shirt. Lieutenant Galway. Who just fucking beam over to this ship that you've heard nothing from. Like, the first thing I would think was, oh, a horrible disease killed them all. Right? If it's a ghost ship floating in space, I'm like, oh, they were all died of disease. Yeah, that's the first thing I would think. They didn't put on their gold lame outfits and shimmy over. Right? No, they just beam in. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And they immediately find that, oh, well, long story short, the entire crew has become... Piles of space, salt minerals, basalts. They become basalts. Yeah, yeah. What I do like about this is that it's a very clever way to use their own sets. Yeah, although they could have like moved a couple of things around to make it look a little different. They swapped it over. Yeah, it was so similar. I thought the effect of the empty ship was really effective. Oh yes, everything was dark, and you could actually hear like it was silent enough. You could hear echoing. I always find empty starships really disturbing, and they did a really good job with that. I wholeheartedly agree. I also loved the just the uniforms laying on the floor with little bits of minerals. It was creepy. That's I really love the beginning of this episode because it's essentially setting up a Mary Celeste situation. Yeah, it's a ghost ship floating dead through space. Except then Bones immediately. I mean, obviously, everyone watching this episode is like, "Oh, that's the crew. They're not missing. That's them." Yeah, no, no doubt. Bones, no doubt. In a total mismatch between you know safety protocols and his apparent medical aptitude goes oh so i ran some quick tests these piles of crystals it's the crew all no the kidding. water was sucked out of their bodies okay i mean we figured that out 10 minutes ago bones but if you had that much savvy do you think maybe you should have like i don't know had everyone boom over beam over in moon suits maybe <laughs> possibly maybe gloves start with gloves respirators yeah. of some kind yeah, I I really like this. They did a really good. Uh, Kirk does a voiceover saying, "Hello, is anyone home?" Oh, that's really creepy. Yeah. And it just echoes through empty halls. I, mm, very it's good. So, so it good. started so promising. which makes it so much sadder when it all falls to a pile of bath salts. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I want. I have an objection. Sorry, just real quick. They know that everyone is dying. They know that everyone's going to die. They couldn't put out a fucking warning buoy to keep people from beaming over in the first place. 
We know they have them. <laughs> Granted. That okay, sorry, thing. carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say that I really like the fact that they went around the ship and they actually showed them exploring and looking for people mm-hmm. and that they did the, the thing, like, they checked in on the shuttles. Yeah. So that was, like, a, a hole where they didn't leave, they didn't leave, like, I'm sorry, they didn't leave a gaping hole in the plot. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, that part, there was just a tiny little detail in like one line that I thought was super effective. Yeah. I also liked how Spock takes care not to step on the piles. Yeah. Yep. Which is very sad. So we know that 400 people are dead. The captain was Ron Tracy, who is one of the most experienced captains there. They always are. Oh yeah. Every captain is the it's most like experienced captain It's like they just have an expiry date have. and then they go totally bug fuck crazy. So they couldn't be bothered to set a warning buoy to keep other people from beaming onto the ship and getting infected. Although maybe they assumed that they would follow biohazard protocols and put on protective gear. No, I always use protection. But there, <laughs> there is, however, a message from the ship's doctor saying, so you're super doomed, you need to be out to the planet now. Nice of him to leave a message, because otherwise they'd all be screwed. Like, at least paint something on the outside of your ship. Something. Yeah. Put on a red alert. Send a message. Just he was alive cat- long enough to leave a message. He could have sent a message. What if Ra- they didn't check the Grab log? Grab a post-it and leave a little note on the <laughs> captain's seat. <laughs> go to the planet, or you're mm-hmm. gonna die. Mm-hmm. Never go back little, to your ship. And then a little peace sign. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more that you could do, and I think if I, if I think that should be part of Starfleet training. When you know you've you're not the main characters in the television show. Ugh. When you reach a disease that you cannot fight. And why did only the captain stay down? Everyone should have gone down. How did they know that the... That seems really unwise Wait. to leave your senior officer down on the planet when you beam back to the ship. How did the doctor know that staying down on the planet would keep you safe? Why didn't they oh. all beam down? Because he stayed down long enough to not be sick and he didn't hear back from them until he was already safe. Okay, but if people are being sick, why wouldn't you give like, Hey, captain, don't bother coming back. I, I think they this did. all sounds very fishy. It is very fishy. So they beam down to yet another crappy planet. It's a castle set. It's I a castle think it's our set. favorite castle set. I think, I think it, it is. is yeah. The discount backlot castle set. Yeah. And we have some extremely hard coded uh, <sighs> groups of characters here. See, I was completely fine with the episode up until this point, and this point is seven minutes in, and I know that <laughs> because that's when I paused the episode and just went, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna get racist. Yeah. It does. Although never in the direction you expect. It's, yeah, it zigs when I thought it would zag, yeah. and then it zigs again, and then yeah. it zags again, and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna come out that this is not the best representation of anyone. No. Literally anyone, because even, anyway. So the aesthetic is Mongolian bikini chic. Yeah, that works. Well, if, if by that you mean that some people are wearing what I think is supposed to be Mongolian. I yeah, because as per the 1960s, they've got like the big Fu Manchu mustaches, yeah. like super stereotypical. There's yeah. carpets hung to everything everywhere. Uh, lots of in the shape of boats. And these, yes, and these gentlemen, lots of padded jackets and yeah. that kind of thing. The shoes yeah. as well. So, and and these gentlemen, oh, yeah, they're wearing like the anyway. They, these gentlemen are trying to behead a, uh, how do we describe these people? Super blonde white guy? Well, apart from that. I'd call them white Indians, if I well, had to choose honestly, a fashion descriptor. At the very beginning, I didn't notice the, these people are clearly supposed to be, like, Native Americans that sort of thing. never I got to caveman me. until we got the big crowd yes, of them later. exactly. I went more, like, 
cave person yeah. rather than because they're like in like the yes they're in skins and furs but, but they don't wearing pants yeah like it did not twig to me that they were supposed Later to be on, a native american when we see the groups of them and they have the little those little i can't what those little skirty things are called with the bottom of the tunics with the squares i, I don't know out. and the guy in the fringe pants is like oh okay now i get what the aesthetic that's true to when be. it starts out you're more like clan of the cave bear yeah, yes yeah. exactly yeah and then it takes a Harp turn yeah. Yeah. to white Indian. Yeah. But but not till later. So they don't even do a good job like painting no. their extremely racist caricature. But it does start pretty bad because yeah. Ron Tracy Ron Tracy starts off by shouting, Walk up the savages. And anytime anyone starts using the word savages, it's not, it's not a good sign. A good sign. Yeah, so he basically and the way that this is coded too, the way that this is sort of shaded, is that the uh, Kirk and Spock and Bones and Galloway is the poor red shirt not long yeah. for this world's name. Um, they run over. They're like, stop trying to cut that guy's head off. And also there's uh, his, I guess, partner who is a... Unidentified lady attached... Like, lady his adjacent. woman. Yes, who is wearing a uh, fur bikini. Yeah, take it away, That doesn't even match his costume. Yeah, it's a fur... It's basically... Take it away, Kim. There isn't anything more yeah. to say. It's a fur bikini in, like, a different aesthetic style than the dude's it's wearing. It's completely mismatched. It's a fur bikini top, but on bottom it is... I don't need, like, a one-eighth scale sarong. It makes no sense. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna make... If you're gonna paint a racist character, at least stick to your goddamn aesthetic. She doesn't look like she. Why isn't she wearing like the same outfit if they're supposed to be cave people? Which at this point, that's all we think they are. Well, again, it's not actually a bikini bottom because there's no like. No, I don't even. Know. What would you call that part of the bikini that goes over your actual junk? It's just like she tied a it's face a towel around skirt. her shirt. Yeah. Or sorry, around her waist. It makes that zero is made sense. of fur. Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. The um, costume designers get a minus fifty points in this. Yeah. This is nonsense. I was never. 100% clear on what their relationship is supposed to be. When they were in the prison, I thought maybe he was her father. Oh. Or brother. Or I thought that they were definitely, like, having mad caveman sex. Bone zone? Y- yes. But, like, even the, the lady here, because I the, what I got from it was sort of Planet of the Apes humans. Yeah. Because they don't yeah. talk and they're dressed like cave people. I'm like, oh, okay. But even the lady characters in Planet of the Apes got to wear, like, a full body, like, for dress. Whatever. It was bad costume. It was nonsense. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the, the Enterprise crew runs over going, stop that, stop it right now, and then Ron Tracy steps in to stop. Now, I was very uncomfortable with this. He has gone space crazy. He has gone space crazy, but mm-hmm. the way that this is, he, it's like he's in charge because he's like the white guy in the village, so by default, he's telling them what to do. Okay, so yes, absolutely, because not a, I don't think, not to any of the Asian actors get lines? No, I they think they get a couple of lines. Yeah. A couple of throwaways, but I don't yeah. think maybe they three speak. or four there's lines. There's no there's no like for no lack one of a better words, there's not a chief character yeah. Yeah. in the Asian in the, There is in no one in there none of the Asian actors, none of the, the cons have a leadership role. It seems like Ron Tracy just stepped in. It's like, oh well you're not white. You clearly need me to tell well, you. Well no, what to do. actually there is a reason for that is that so the Yangs Yangs mm-hmm. yeah. whatever the white people they are the horde and i think that's where like oh aren't we clever like you know there's a mongolian horde but this time it's like the white people are the horde and they attacked the village okay and ron tracy used the phasers to shoot great swaths of them and they're like oh well shit no you're in charge now 
Yeah, but surely like, they had a leader who could have been like the involved. line. The line that they have in here that I wrote down is that the villagers were nice to Tracy once they got over his skin color, mm-hmm. and they he's he is the um the like the. He's Sa- the outsider. Yeah, there. he's the outsider from this. This for, I'm and using he air quotes like, here. Savage race, and yeah, that he's yeah. he's civilized and all, like. I was super uncomfortable but, with the essentialism in this episode from minute one. The best part of that is Spock is immediately very suspicious of like. So how come your phaser is just waggling out for anyone to see? Jacuz. Yeah, and so, so Shatter has like to leave with a little space crazy. so. Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Something about that line delivery just, oh, so, so good. Ron tries to explain himself, saying, you know, everyone died, isn't that a shame? But there's natural immunization to this disease on the planet. So you won't die. You won't die, but you could also never leave. Yeah. And Spock's like, whatever. A law has been broken here. Yeah. Uh, You're 150% violating the Prime Directive, and it doesn't matter what the situation is, you still probably, we have to arrest you. It was it was a weird beat where, like, Tracy's, that's exactly what happens, is Tracy says, you're stuck here for the rest of your life and you're infected with a disease. And Kirk and Spock are like, I think he broke the law. <laughs> Not like, oh shit, we're going to have to stay here and reevaluate all of our life choices and, you know, make a new five-year plan. They're doing mm-hmm. their job. No, this almost makes me angry. <laughs> Because, again, the weird theme for two-thirds of this... Two-thirds? One-third. One-third of this episode is what what costs survival. There's so yeah. many themes. And Ron's is at any cost. Is that I have to survive. I don't care if I have to break the, the, break, break the Prime Directive. And Kirk and Spock are like, well, no, you can never break the Prime Directive, said the two chief breakers of the Prime Directive <laughs> at all time. And there's some weird, like, backstory, because I think they're still sorting it out. And by the time it gets to Next Gen, we have a really good idea of what the Prime Directive yeah. is. But mm-hmm. here they're like, there's an oath that you would rather sacrifice the crew. Yeah, than suddenly it- there's an oath. Yeah, suddenly there's an oath. Maybe um. after the incidents from the last episodes, where you would rather sacrifice your entire crew than interfere with another culture. And the thing is that later on, it's much less rigid than that. Like, there's definitely an essential, central, you do not do this, but there's also extenuating circumstances all over the place. Yeah, because, and and again, a lot of the episodes of Next Gen are based on this. Yeah. Like, when who, is it acceptable? When is it acceptable? Who gets to decide what's best for this culture? Yeah. Is it the people in space who have the ability to do certain things with their technology? Is it the people themselves? Do they get to have that choice? Who amongst them gets to make that choice for the rest of the people? Like, yeah. it's a big it's a big question, and I think it's really interesting. It's one of the most interesting things that Star Trek does. It's a little more interesting later on when they actually know what the hell they're talking about. But this one is interesting as a character study because it kind of shows Kirk and Spock's, I don't know, blinders? Oh, you're stuck on this planet for the rest of your life. You can never leave. And BT does are about to be attacked by these hordes. You're probably not going to make it. So couldn't you just let it slide? Or focus on something else? Well, he else? doesn't actually, like, do anything about it until later, though. Like, they talk about it. But well, he doesn't no, but... actually straight up, like, okay, so you're under arrest until he starts killing people. They do hisper whisping. They do. But not like, not like to his face. They're talking about it, but they don't actually do anything they about it. They whisper whisk. I think he's done. I think he's broke the prime directive. I agree. Well, we should probably do something. They're like, yeah, we should. But they don't. Not until later. Oh. Not until he's already done way worse things right in front of them. So I don't know. It's kind of like they're talking about it, but it's not like the number one thing they're trying to figure out right at the second. 
but it's still in their minds. So there's definitely another theme here in this episode is that bacterial war is dumb. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Apparently we had a bacteriological war in the 1990s. <laughs> because Bones is talking to That's what grunge was. Yeah, that would explain a lot. <laughs> So Bones is talking to the ship trying to, you know, figure out what the hell's wrong with him if there's a cure. And he makes a reference that the closest thing it resembles is certain bacteriological agents from the 1990s, like, biological wars we apparently had. Sure. So these Yangs are bad dudes. They don't fear death. They're contemptuous of it. Mm -hmm. And they're massing for an attack. So if you're looking for a ticking time clock... There it is. Yep. There it is. And the... The thing that got me on this one is that the numbers that they're talking about, this feels like a more populous planet than other ones we've been on, because they say there's thousands of them in the foothills. Yeah, yeah. And it actually gets worse. So Spock goes on a... Rec- Spock goes for a goddamn walk. Well, he goes... <laughs> he takes poor little Redshirt out to sort of reconnoiter. And he comes for back. what purpose? Well, I don't think he believes a single goddamn word Tracy said. So he's gone he to, like... He doesn't need to listen to anything that Tracy well, he, said. Well, he went to the site of the last battle. The last massacre. Yeah, and he comes back and he's like, oh, well, they attacked us. But we also found this evidence that, oh, Tracy was, Tracy has been uh, keeping some stuff from you. And the the stuff is apparently, and he just sort of intuits this. Well, it doesn't intuit. It's like he infers. Because they find expended phaser power packs. And they're all like, well, that would have been a lot of shooting. And basically we find out... Uh, this is where Spock is like, I want to arrest him. We should at least take his phaser away because this kind of seems like he massacred a bunch of people. Because Spock also finds on his flaneur experience um, a hundred dead bodies. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, no one thought to mention before. The body now. count of this episode must be astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost... <laughs> it's 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 very high, but it's not really quantifiable. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, uh, Tracy... Who has, of course, been listening because he's not a moron. Bursts in. He's like, nope. Guess what? You're not my prisoners. And he just straight up fucking disintegrates Galloway. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Question. Uh-huh. I don't understand the phasers at all because uh-huh. there's a hundred bodies and yet Galloway is just gone. He Different setting. Different settings. Bullshit. We see them. We see them do it later. Well, Kareem, if you keep your phaser on a lower setting while you're killing hundreds, you can get off more shots. Yeah. He was Glad just being energy efficient. Uh, Ron tries to pull a fast one by calling up Sulu. Yeah, this is really funny. I liked this a lot. This is ridiculous. <laughs> He's like, okay, Kurt, here's the deal. I killed all those Yanks because they were coming for the village, but I need more phasers. So you're going to call up the ship and you're going get, to get me like a hundred phasers. No, he asked for ten phasers. Oh, yeah, and yeah. like extra power packs. So he's <laughs> like... He's big, Ron. Yeah. He's very reasonable. He's like, so hey, they're think... unconscious because of reasons, but I'm going to need some phasers for also reasons. If you could just send those down and I'll use them for purposes. Yeah. Uh, Sulu's like, uh, you're going to shoot the disease out of them? <laughs> and of course, Kirk tries to be, you know, heroic by Sulu. Uh, and Ron is on fire. Fire! For an old man, he moves fast because his Ron food is better than Kirk's Kirk food. He just bonked unconscious. Yeah. Yes. It's Captain versus Captain, the showdown I've never wanted to see. Next, we have slow mo leather handling. Bow, 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 bow. 
So Kirk is tightly bound with some leather shoelaces. Your Kirk bondage kink is getting weird, Kareem. It's not mine. It's the show's. (laughs) He is tied up in leather, struggling in actual slow motion. They slow down the shot. Most of these parts are incredibly dull because it's just the same fight over and over. I don't care about it at all. All the fight scenes were just extremely drawn out. Yeah. So Kirk tries to overpower the guard and fails because Tracy is smarter than he is. He is. Again, Ron is on fire. He's Ron Stoppable. No. No. Ron Stoppable is a good boy. Whatever. Wait, is that a real character from something? Impossible. Impossible. Ron Stoppable. Oh. Ron Stoppable would never do this. So no. Tracy tries to explain himself. He's still trying to convince Kirk. And he's like, no one on this planet has ever had a disease. Except for that one disease that they all had. <laughs> <laughs> disease. So they only got that one left. Yeah. They... No, they haven't. So this is calls... also a thing that doesn't make sense and doesn't make this episode make sense. It kind of makes sense. I almost understand, but we're not there yet. So he calls in... Uh, one of, his name is Wu, he's the same guy who was in charge of the attempted decapitation earlier, I think. Um, this is the only time any of the Asian characters get lines! (laughs) Um, and he says, tell Kirk how old you are. And he basically is like, I'm this many. 462. He's 462 years old. His father is over a thousand. And Tracy's all like, it's a fountain of youth, it's immortality, makes everything I've done worth it, right? Right? It's a weird argument for someone who's met Kirk before. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Kirk's like, uh, no. Kirk is, like, his chest hairs are made of freedom. Yeah. His toenails are made of justice. What chest hairs? That's fair. You could just rub your face up against that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the Yangs are coming, the Yangs if are Yang's coming. If Yang's father is more than a thousand, and Yang Woo. is only... It's Wu. Wu, sorry. If Wu's father is more than a thousand years old, and yes. Wu himself is only like 400 and something, yes. that means Wu's father had him when he was like in his 600s? That's really old to be having a first child. Well, not if or your life's going to slow down how almost do we, nothing. How do we even know? It seems like it's really late in How do life. we know that he's not constantly having children since the time he was like 14? I would assume that this would be like the biggest settlement ever because you'd be able to constantly have children. Poor Wu's <sighs> wife. Or you wouldn't because you have more time. I don't think that they have birth control. Yeah, but speedy population, there's lots of ways. If there's thousands of yangs in the foothills. Yeah, why didn't they just have more babies? This episode has so many questions. So many questions with no answers. Yeah, anyhow. So there's a nonsense sequence where they lock the away party up in a jail, which we've seen like 700 times. I will interject that there's a really long butt shot of Kirk. Well, they're tussling. Like, of course, Kirk gets out of his bondage because he's got experience at that. And then gets the shit beat out of him by an old man. (laughs) Yeah, like immediately because he sucks at this. So they lock them up in the jail where they also have the two Yangs. Um, in a different cell. And Do we want to give them nicknames? Because I did not catch their names. Oh, wait. One that. of them is actually named, I swear to God, yeah. Cloud William. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cloud. I'm sorry. No, we need to spend at least 15 minutes throwing our hands up in the air going, what? <laughs> Cloud William. Yep. The lost William brother from the Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of the level of uh, storytelling prowess going on in this Cloud. episode. I think the girl's name is like Shiracha or something like that. Ginger. She's Ginger. Yeah. I just, I'm fine with Cloud. Cloud. Just Cloud and Ginger. Cloud and Ginger. So yeah. Cloud and Ginger are in one cell and Spock and Bones are in another. And basically Tracy's like, you're going to agree with me or else. And so he throws him in a cell with the Yangs. 
And he's like, you'll learn once they beat you to death because they're savages. There's a long thing here that I don't care about where they fight and they work out that they're actually not enemies. Except for the thing here, this fight sequence was really weirdly shot. It was. Because Agreed. you don't actually see any fighting. No. You get a lot Rapping. of like close-ups of Kirk's yeah. face. You get a lot of reaction shots of Spock. And then you get a really long sequence where Cloud is just choking Kirk out. Yeah. yeah. And then you cut away to go do something else. And then you come back... And Cloud and Kirk are still fighting. I thought the choking out was going to lead to Kirk unconsciousness. No, it just kept going. I, it's, I think we're supposed to assume it's like when you put two beta fish together and they just kind of fight each other out. It's it's a very odd sequence because it's a lot of shoving and Kirk just looks upset. Yeah. yeah, he just wants like five minutes to himself to come up with a plan, but this guy won't stop trying to beat the crap out of him. And there's a lady here, so surely he would be able to love make his way out of the situation, but he's never given enough time. Nope. He does at one point grab her by the neck and like use her as a human shield. Doesn't then... work. It doesn't work. <laughs> he, he uses her like she's a boulder. He just kind of bodily throws her at the guy. Also, Spock, I would like to point out, can do mind melds when people are close to communicate with them, and also to control them, but chooses instead to spectator sport this one. Yeah. I really enjoyed that he got as close as he could to the bars to the other one and waited for the girl to get close enough so that he could just nerve pinch her to, yeah. like, yeah. Un- unconsciously. Yeah. He's got skills. So basically, yeah. they sort of fight each other to a standstill. The details do not matter because they are not interesting. So not. The best part is, is that we also get it intercut with McCoy, who's doing science. 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 Oh, and gets his meal brought to him by yet another inexplicably bare midriff actress. Was she? The yeah. only, yeah, the only female calm we see. Yeah, she has. She's wearing she's a belly top. She's wearing like straight pants. Okay. And then looks like this really straight cut top, but it's like a crop. Okay. And it's she bizarre. shows up, brings Bones some food. He smiles at her like, hey, and you're attractive. Like, it's such a strange, it's, random thing to put. Because it serves no purpose. No, none at all. It's I, just there to get yet another actress in fewer unless clothes. Than, I think it's to show that the comms are civilized and like, hospitable. Because sure. they're holding him captive and forcing him. In, well, are they even, forc- still are they even him. forcing him, though, to do the research? Because like he seems I to be trundling along. or care. I mean, at one yeah. point, you see him go for a weapon. Which it is one? a ruby-encrusted wrench. Oh, a fabulous <laughs> wrench. Like, if I was going <laughs> to do yeah. tool work, I would like my tools to have rubies mm. encrusted mm. in them. Yeah. He is writing on... Okay, I don't know if you guys had these. They're kind of gray. It was almost like copy paper. I remember these, And yes. you would write into it with a... Just like a pressure write into yeah. it. And then you would lift up the piece of paper and it mm-hmm. would erase it so you could do it again. Yeah. It's a toy and that is what he is writing with. Yeah. <laughs> so I assume when he's finished sciencing it out, he just lifts up the paper and it's all gone. <laughs> um, the woman who brings him hair has the longest hair I have ever yeah. seen. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we get... Oh, Kirk hanging off those bars and trying to stay awake. Such a good look. So for here's him. where we get almost because the, the Yangs were sort of confused and hovering at the other edge of the cell, like, why isn't this guy still trying to beat on us? Because Kirk really just wanted to like not do that if that's okay. It's endless fighting. It just keeps endless. going. There's also she. He kind of throws her on the ground, and the camera angle on her swoon when. Uh, Spock nerf right up her skirt. Right up her skirt. Oh, I didn't even notice oh, that. Oh, yeah. If this was modern television, I'd be like, oh, so they photoshopped that back to uh, PG rating, right? <laughs> yes. Because you 
see a lot of fur, let's just say. Oh. You're welcome. So uh, Spock does some random out of nowhere theorizing that there was a war here that destroyed the white civilization. And oh, there's a yellow versus white. Yeah. And they talk about, and, and, Spock, mm. and Spock and Kirk at some point during this conversation they're having through the bars, use the word freedom. And then we discover that the Yangs actually can talk. And they say freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. In this case, literally. Yeah. Because this planet is garbage. It's it's a worship word. Yes. And I actually kind of like the yeah, way I like, that they say yeah, that. Yeah. If it hadn't ended up exactly where it ended up, this was actually really interesting. It's like, oh, they can talk. They just don't talk to these guys because they don't like them. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Freedom is a worship word. This was almost interesting. <laughs> yeah. It got so close. And Kirk yeah. says, it's our worship word, too, and I liked that. That was a good thing, too. Like, yes. hey, like, we can We have connect. stuff in common. Like I said, the concept of what they were going for was fine. Yeah. The execution that sucks. And this been was like, very interesting. If it hadn't been precisely a parallel America, if it had just been, like, a similar civilization without a word-for-word reproduction of the Declaration of Independence, I would have been fine with it. But, but it it's not, not, yeah. not to be. However, I think the entire production of this episode is well worth it because... The Cloud McCoy, Cloud, Cloud, Cloud and Kirk work together to take one of the bars off of the jail and they're working together. They finally formed an alliance. They understand each other. <laughs> and then Cloud takes one of the bars, rips it out with his giant muscular hands and bonks Kirk on the head with it. <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. That was pretty great. <laughs> it is great. Kirk is out cold for seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. I also was amused that in that seven hours, Spock couldn't get any more bars out of his window, no, apparently. Did not even However, try. When he wakes up, there are keys right next to his cell. <laughs> what? So, what are we supposed to take from that? Where did the keys come from? Did, did someone... somebody come in at some point to bring food or just something? left the keys? Whoops. Or is that supposed to be... notice that prisoners were gone? Yeah. Or... I don't understand. I don't like, I... Or is it supposed to be like, oh, well, Cloud came back and put the that keys there? That is what I thought it was. But it doesn't I'm make like, any sense. It doesn't actually follow. They just no. left the keys on the ground. So, whatever. There are keys. They get out. They go and rescue Bones. Kirk takes down a guy with a sword who apparently doesn't know what to do with it. No, no one in this episode knows what to do and with their swords. McCoy says, well, actually, I'm going to let Ari take this because okay. I could not pay attention so to So Bones that. is like, so while you guys have been just, you know, hanging around leisurely in your jail cells, I figured out what happened on this planet. So there was a biological, like a bioweapon war here. And here, I'm quoting here, nature responded by building up powerful immunizing agents in the soil, in the water, in the air. No. That makes zero sense. Although it's kind of like Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind, in a sense. Like, the environment tries to get the poison out. So, in a sense, it makes sense, but not the way that they're trying to tell us that it does. With Nausicaa logic, it yeah. makes sense. But the short of it is that basically, we've all been immunized to whatever this disease is that killed people. We're fine now. And in fact, if the crew of the Exeter had just stayed down here a little bit longer, they wouldn't have carried the infection back to the ship or killed themselves or have ended up piles of salt. So we're all fine. We could leave any time. Yeah. Um, and then, depressing. Yeah, it's yeah, really fucking depressing. That, like, that is an episode yeah. in and of itself yeah. right there. The whole... Yeah, that would be enough. That would have been an episode. Stop developing here, guys. Go back in time. Stop developing here. Like there are, It's a good episode. There are like three different episodes in this. Yeah. Yes. What happened to the Exeter is yes. one yeah. episode. A good episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A like good, if you had horrible just, episode. Yeah, yeah, and if you just left it there, leave it there, don't go in, but they're going to. So, I do love a good, like, captain responsible for the crew, nothing he could have done. Yeah, and except as it de- turns out. <laughs> except as it turns out, like, having to deal with the fallout of that. And I never think... Because you would think that the basic scientific method, oh, well, the captain's not getting sick. 
maybe the obvious explanation is that he hasn't come back up to the ship. It would have given Ron a little bit more poignancy if at any point, because he was given two wildly different motivations. A, he was down there, his ship's dead, he's very sad. Which I think is the more interesting story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. B, he finds the Fountain of Youth. And he's crazy. trying to justify it. Yeah. And make he it, goes like, crazy. So it was all worth it. So he loses his mind. Um, yeah. And Kirk, I think it's Kirk, just doesn't matter. Basically, but why do they live so long? Why are their lifespans so long? And Bones is like, well, it's fucking evolution. It's natural selection. They got immunized so they didn't die of the disease. And then because they didn't die of other diseases, because this changed their immune system, they now just have insanely long lifespans. It's got nothing to do with like a magic fountain of youth it's just that they have evolved to have long lifespans in response to all of this other nonsense science uh so it won't transfer to us there is no fountain of youth there is no way to reproduce this that's not what the makeup companies would have you believe no (laughs) so of course tracy bursts in he has a bit of a meltdown because apparently the hordes attacked and the ambush didn't go so well he 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 killed thousands he yeah. says with a definite S on the end of that thousand. Yeah. He killed thousands He's of very them, visibly unraveling at this point. But they still came. Kept coming, yeah. They still kept coming. He's out of phaser power. Bones drops the other bombshell of BT dubs, you are going to die. There's no fountain of youth. And, um... He shoots Spock. He shoots Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very sad because Bones kind of, kind of looking around like where is everyone and they're either dead or in hiding. Now I took a moment just a brief aside here to realize the Yangs are coming at them in their thousands and you have to think that part of that is generations of being oppressed or whatever and part of it is there's this crazy man with a space laser who's killing hundreds of us at a time he needs to go down. No, I think they've been planning this for a really long time. Yeah, but I think this might have stepped up their timeline a little bit. <laughs> well, it's because... In a weird Manifest Destiny moment, they Ugh. believe that they have a right to this town. Yeah. Despite having not lived in it, and I feel like a long time. Thousands yeah. of years. Thousands of years. But Tens of thousands of years, honestly, if we're talking evolution and their oh. lifespans being crazy long. Maybe hundreds of thousands. Anyway, um, Bones is like, I need to get him up back up to the ship. He could die. Tracy, don't care. Uh, it was all for nothing, by the way. People live here... People here live longer because it's natural for them to. They try another feint on Sulu of, hey, if you could send five, Mm -hmm. make it ten with, like, three extra power packs. Ohura gets this call and is like, yeah, this is above my pay grade. Mm -hmm. And sends it up to Sulu, who's like, um, how about we send you down some volunteers instead? And Ron is very impressed with how well-trained the bridge crew is. Which I guess is, I can't decide whether this is a good policy or not. Because you, technically you'd be sending down your volunteers with phasers anyways. Well, the yeah. thing is that it kind of suggests that they have taken your advice and implemented some kind of code word verification system. Because Sulu's like, I can't do that without verification, and Kurt pointedly does not give it. I think that what Sulu's waiting for is to say, yes, we are in permanent, or not permanent damage. Imminent danger. We are in imminent danger, and you need to send something down, and they send volunteers instead of just, like, but ammunition it's, yeah. gun. But it's like, give me proof that you're not saying this under duress. Which Kirk could not. He's like, actually, we're not really in that much it's danger. Fine. We're good. And then he immediately dies behind a barrel because sweaty Ron is after him. Yeah, yeah. they have another endless fight, but either during this or immediately before it, I don't care. They actually have a really interesting brief conversation where... 
Tracy is like, you're not going to just stand there and let them kill you. Are you telling me that if I put a weapon in your hand, you won't fight? Yeah. And Kirk doesn't answer. He never actually answers the question. See, this is weird because I feel within Kirk's actual characterization is that he would. Oh, well, sure. Kirk always believes in hope. Mm -hmm. He doesn't believe in giving up. He doesn't believe in no-win situations. Would he take a phaser and slaughter hordes of people? Probably not. No, No, I don't think so. I think he would have tried to find within the to a better solution. Yeah. Kirk will always first try and find a better solution. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, Ron Stoppelwell should have considered, but instead he just tries to, like, murder his way out of a bad situation. Yeah, he just wants to get what he wants, and he doesn't really care what he has to do to get it. Well, at this point, what he wants is Kirk dead, which is fair. Yeah. Kirk has kind of Kirk blocked him. So there's an endless, boring fight, which is ultimately interrupted by some spears. Literal spears. Because, of course, there is. Okay, here's where it's gonna get fucking crazy. So up to this point, guys, you could just stop watching the episode now and pretend that they killed Ron Tracy, went back to the Enterprise, and went home and wrote this planet off as a bad job. Mm. They Stop don't. Here. They don't, though. <laughs> they don't. So the Yanks have won. They've taken the village. Mm-hmm. It turns out the two that were in the jail cell, uh, Cloud and Triacha, were actually kind of a big deal. Yep. There's lots of yelping and whooping going on in the background of this. There's a lot of yeah. big drums, big action. Yeah. At which point, Kirk has, I don't even know, like some kind of epileptic fit of genius. Because <laughs> he starts going... Yangs, Yangs, Yankee, Yankee, Yankees, and cons, 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 communists. The word reaching doesn't seem strong enough for this situation. And from this, he extrapolates they're just like Earth, but they fought with bacterial weapons. It's a parallel Earth. And then this is an actual fact. And Spock, and I'm ashamed of him, agrees with him. Oh, yeah, if your ancestors were forced out of their cities, they definitely would have, and this is a quote, I swear to God, learned to live like Indians. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would have adopted the Stoic mannerisms. Oh, this episode sucks. <laughs> it does. It gets worse here, though, because then you hear some guy comes in like... Mr. Big Drum. Oh, yeah, Drum. Mr. Which Big is, like, Drum. What the drum even was that because it wasn't like an american revolutionary snare drum. it's a nonsense drum and it was definitely not some any kind of like first nations drum nope it was a nonsense drum thank you Ari. it's a great kind of drum <laughs> and then brace yourselves because that's when mr beefcake enters mm. with a fucking american flag i love that this drum is essentially like the hype man and he starts like drumming out a tune i swear to god i thought abraham lincoln was gonna come through that. <laughs> i thought it was i thought this was space abraham lincoln too i feel like Agreed. nonsense drum is kind of a great metaphor for where this episode goes downhill it's like oh it's the it's the nonsense drum now we know what it's gonna get it does drum in my favorite character of the episode <laughs> it's like it's like we have oh my god it's our very own cockroach cake yeah, because it, it starts going there, because it's like, oh, the chief, Ugh. he's the guardian of the holy, this is apparently is the last pain. of the calm places, and they start doing the Pledge of Allegiance? Yeah, now, Spock utters the words, oh, yes, the, the parallels are almost too close, and I wrote, yes, they are! They are way too close, because this is terrible writing. Yeah, But, yeah, he says the Pledge of Allegiance, like, it's been... All the words are like slurred together. It's gone through Google Translate. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like somebody played telephone 
over the generations with the pledge. Yeah, and so Kirk is like, whoa, I know this tune, starts to chime in, and they're like, damn! He's a priest, he's a priest. (laughs) Yeah. It goes, yeah, it does go that way. Fucking American flag just fucking saunters oh, into the room because, yeah, they could definitely come up with that on yeah. their own. And Kirk's like, yeah, we're, we're like, we're like you, we come from the points of light, but the stars are not a heaven. You're confusing mm-hmm. the stars mm-hmm. with heaven. That was almost mm-hmm. clever, except it was in the midst of all this nonsense, it was so clever. I'm not giving it any credit. Oh my god, and then the, was this the part where Tracy decides to switch sides? Yeah. He's totally there for the Yangs. Oh, by the way... Kirk's the devil. Mm-hmm. I speak for God. Yeah. Never mind that he just fucking slaughtered half your population or whatever. What the fuck I episode? Have, I also have a special objection to this representation because this was 1969. This is right in the middle of the Cold War. Around the time that they had like added God to the Pledge of Allegiance. Because communism didn't have God. So they shoved it right in there. And so this representation of alien America apparently just happened to bring along Christianity with it. I love that Ron's defense is which, which, he's a witch. Yeah. Which, which, he's a witch. <laughs> yeah. Basically. I freaking love <laughs> that somebody flips open the Bible and there's a little drawing of the devil. The fucking Bible. That looks like Spock. <laughs> it was amazing. I was so, so angry about every this... facet of this, but the Bible coming into it actually dialed it up to like 17 No, I think that was, that was against... That was against NBC. Um, so it's a beautiful, hardbound, printed version of the Bible Nonsense. with the crudest child version of what I can also describe as a snake man. It's definitely someone who drew Spock, but my problem is is that at no point, if they had flipped open the Bible to where I think it was, like if you go about like 124th in, there's no bits about the devil in there at all. No, the devil stuff comes at the back. Not to mention the I fact that it's in oh. English. Which, well, the Bible can be translated if to he, English. I, I, I can buy spoken languages sounding like English because the universal translator hand wave, fine. But a fucking written book that an alien culture not only could read, but a, but apparently wrote in? English is one of the most hodgepodge languages in the universe. As we learned, since all of them have forgotten to speak it. No, I think the reason why they brought this out in the funny picture is because often NBC had objections to the Spock makeup, makeup because they thought it made him look devilish. Americans are crazy. So this, I think, was a clever in-joke to them. Yeah. But anyway, that drawing was amazing. Whoever did it should be extremely proud of themselves. It was incredible. And Ari, I want you to use it as one of the pictures on our page. (laughs) I feel like I've actually seen a cosplay of someone from doing that picture. Like from a 70s, 80s Star Trek con. Pretty exciting. So they're going to hammer of the witches this bitch. Yeah. And so they... I swear to God, I thought they were going to like hold them down underwater and abduct them Yes. So again, they soft leather bondage Ron and Kirk together. And they put a knife in the middle of the room. And they're like, well, fight to the death. Yeah, this was another really boring thing I didn't care about. So boring. The argument here is, um, is not good always stronger than evil? And Ginger chimes in, yes, good always wins over evil. Now, I actually want to give Spock a little bit of credit. Uh, not, no. Actually, Bones gets the credit here. Bones is the least stupid of all three of them in this episode. Yeah. He's sitting at sidelines with... change. It's a nice change. He's sitting on the sidelines. Um, it's like... They want to challenge, uh, they're like, let me fight Kirk, let's pit Kirk against Tracy because one of them's good and one of them is evil and good always triumphs against evil, so we'll tie them together and and whoever lives is good because that's how logic works. And here I wrote, Tracy is on my last nerve. Here's Um, the thing, yeah, they keep debating like, which lies, which is telling the truth, which would kill them both. 
maybe the one who is lying is the one who murdered thousands of you. Maybe. Maybe. Like five minutes ago. Like Like, five minutes ago. Also, you could just try hucking them in a lake and see which one floats. Too true. The tried and tested method. Mm -hmm. And then shoot that one. So, you know, yeah, 22. But before before that, we must do bondage. (laughs) Yes, and Bones, before the start, he's sitting on the sideline with Spock and he sort of leans over and he's like, in my experience, evil usually triumphs unless good is very, very careful. (laughs) Yeah, Spock mind melds apparently at a distance without doing anything. There's a boring bond. Is this something fight. that he did before? No, no. no this is a even crazy never power. again. Even when he mind, like mind melded with that wall that one time, <laughs> you still had to touch it. Yeah. yeah, he does nothing. He just kind of stares into her eyes, and her eyes go all starry. He sort of gives her a suggestion to pick up uh, the, the 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 communicator from somewhere and turn it on. Yeah, it's just lying mm. on the table. It's just sitting there. So there's a really long, boring bondage fight, and yes. fortunately, Sulu rescues us all from it when he beams down to the rescue with a bunch of security guards. Also, do they have their phasers drawn? They do. They do. Guys, you just violated the Prime Directive! It's a little late for that. <laughs> so here's where the story mercifully almost ends. Uh, everyone is under arrest, and Kirk is going to teach everyone how to be truly American, which is funny because he's from, you know, like... Montreal. Hundreds... Yeah, so this is really funny. So... Uh, Kirk explains to Cloud William that they're not actually gods because apparently that was a concern. Uh, because <laughs> Cloud William falls to his knees the second that the the new away party beams down. Fair, which, I would be have fair, a connection. Yeah. I would be a little worried. He takes two seconds to acknowledge other countries' constitutions, but carries on to deify the American mythos hilariously because for Kirk it's probably you know hundreds of years historical nerd passing interest because. America's not really America in their time period. And B, Shatner's Canadian. <laughs> so this was funny on a bunch of levels. He gives it his Shatner best. And I think this is one of the Shatneriest Shatner mm-hmm. moments in the entire episode. Yeah. He starts, we the people. And there's the swell of music and the yeah. triumphant words of the founding fathers. And then... Silence. Mm-hmm. And basically, Kirk's like, they must apply to everyone, even the cons. And Claude Williams like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but you know, you have superpowers, so I guess I'll go along with it. It's written for everyone, or it means nothing. nothing. Which is almost, even at the end of this crap pile of an episode, almost turning around again and being a little bit subversive and sort of flipping off the network. It's like, yeah, see, we're still dirty commies. Here's the thing. They did, he didn't actually read their entire con, their entire Declaration of Independence. So my pet theory it is descends that, into the Nyan Cat song. Is that actually it's like we the people declare that death is the immediate sentence for anyone under <laughs> five foot two. Yeah, he only like actually reads, he only got the first bit. We the people, and then he just recites it from memory because I think I would go eyes, through so. like does it have the amendments in it about like. Presumably not. How slavery is a bad one. Have they like, banned liquor here? Have they banned liquor? Like, yeah. definitely take a hard look into that. Yeah. Before saying that this is the your new holy kind of important. I would argue the most important. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I would definitely do due diligence there. Kind of the quip off at the end is Spock's like, Huh, didn't we just violate the Prime Directive? Kirk's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, not as bad as that other guy, right? So it totally Am I right? Count. And then, as they're leaving, Kirk's basically summing up as like, "Let's go so that they can discover liberty." The end. 
I mean, maybe this is different if you're an American and watching this, but I think probably not because it's nonsense. They're going to need some follow-up, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Maybe <laughs> read the whole thing out loud to them yeah. so they get the pronunciation Or like a documentary, with. or they could watch The Patriot. Like, The Patriot was very educational. Isn't yeah. that the one with all the axe murdering in it? Yes. Okay. Like, 90% I mean, more axe murdering than other films. I mean, they, they, it'll look familiar. There's a lot of axe murder on this planet. There was a lot of, like, handy axes. It starts handy with axes. decapitation. Also, in, when Kirk and Ron fight, there are yeah. just handy axes wherever you turn. Axes just Down this abandoned alley? Oh, thank God, it's an axe alley. <laughs> <laughs> On the axis. Oh my God, this was such nonsense. This was very, very strange. There was, like, three good episodes bundled into one pile of shit. There were only shit. two good there episodes. There were two good episodes. Fine, two good episodes. And one pile of shit. <laughs> So, uh... Guys, repeat disclaimer, we're Canadian. <laughs> so, performance of the episode, Kim. Um, I'm giving it to Cloud. I am also giving oh, it. Oh! What's his name? That's <laughs> very stupid of you, but, um, <laughs> his name is Roy Jensen. He's from Calgary, Alberta! Oh, yay! <laughs> yeah. amazing. So he's a hurting Albertan. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, I'm giving it to Cloud because I enjoyed his look, his constant look of, like, slight befuddlement. Slight. I think you mean the stoic mannerisms if forced outside of the city. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Ari, you were also giving it to Cloud? Pretty, yeah. Why? Because he was the only one doing anything even remotely original in this episode, and also he was reacting to the situation exactly as I, as I would have. What the fuck is going on? I don't understand any of this. Kareem, who are you giving for Obviously, more? I'm giving it to Flag Bearer with the green. <laughs> but as a second, I'm going to give a tip of the hat to Morgan Woodward, who played Ronald Tracy, because I found him very unlikable. Oh, yes, oh, intensely. Extremely unlikable. Yeah. yeah. And there are parts where he played, like, the the uh, Fountain of Youth mad captain yeah. very well. And again, it's like if they'd ended it there when he found out that there was no Fountain of Youth, it would have been... murdered a, 400 people for yeah, nothing. It would have been a perfectly passable episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when fair. they got into the parallel America stuff, I was like, fuck no, this, I'm you. out. No, thank you. Uh, episode count Ari? Six ladies, 11 people of color. Most of them had no dialogue. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kim, your count. Brace yourselves, people. Oh, boy. Uh, 400 plus on the crew of the Exeter. Okay. Plus thousands of Yangs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a number of Kongs as well. Yeah. And poor Galloway. Oh, Galloway. Oh, Galloway. Yeah. And Gene Roddenberry's credibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> life lesson from the episode Ari. From which episode, Kareem? Uh, one or all? I'm actually going to start with the one at the top of the episode. Always follow biohazard protocols. We're back to the beginning. We've learned nothing. Wow, it's just like the pilot. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, Kim? My life lesson is a little more sarcastic. It's America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, mine is going to go on the practical side, which is teach your children to goddamn read. Yeah. yeah. Um, then otherwise you won't be parroting weird gobbledygook and then adhering to it for no reason that you can understand. America. Teach children <laughs> to read and they conquer the world. And Donald Trump will never become a viable presidential candidate. Mm-hmm.